I hope that you uh, enjoyed our announcements this week. I am reminded to ask you if you have already made your summer plans. Yes? Well, since so many of you have not, I want to encourage you to sign up to be a volunteer for Vacation Bible School. We have a special strategy on staff this year. For uh, we are praying that if you do not volunteer for Vacation Bible School, that you will not be able to sleep. So if any of you find yourselves awake, kind of in the middle of the night, you're going, I bet I know what that is. I'm supposed to sign up for Vacation Bible School. Seriously, it takes about 250 volunteers for us to pull off Bible school in the way we do it. We are unique in the community in that we still do a day school. We still uh, uh, have a, a full day's worth of programming between Vacation Bible School and the Creative Arts Camp and the Music Camp and all the things that go on. So we need your help. Uh, and I am sure there is a job that you will be very, very comfortable doing. Second thing that came to mind, I don't know if you were here in time to see the video about the work of our DBC Foundation. Uh, we have a foundation here at the church that has been supplementing the work of the church, especially in missions, but also in some other projects, including mental health. And that foundation has given away more than $7.5 million since its inception. And uh, we are going to highlight your ability to get involved with that through uh, a number of uh, mechanisms, and we'll do that a little bit on the 22nd. There will be an interest meeting after the service for anybody who wants to get involved with the, the DBC Foundation. There was one more thing that I was supposed to say today. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to tell you Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I didn't have to have that on a list. We are in a, a family series called It's Complicated because families are complicated. And of course, on Mother's Day, we would be reminded, but this week we dedicated babies. Last week, we watched our seniors walk across the stage. So somewhere in the study this week, it occurred to me that this morning, we dedicated the class of 2040. Did I do the math right? And did I make anybody feel old? 2040. So that got me sort of on a, a rabbit trail mentally, which I, I know you find hard to believe. But I started thinking, well, all of the things that have happened since the graduating class last week, the class of 2022, what all has happened in their lifetime? Well, there happens to be a list called the Beloit College Mindset List. And every year, Beloit College in, in Wisconsin prepares a list of mindset characteristics so they can help their professors get ready for the freshman class. And so, they published this this year. The class of 2022, the ones that walked across the stage last week, they have never known outer space without being inhabited by humans. There has been a human living in space their entire life. They have never known life without Wikipedia. 
and we have got to be better for it. They have never felt completely safe from the possibility of a school shooting. They have never known public places without people loudly conversing with themselves without thinking that person was crazy. (laughs) They have never known cars that ran only on gasoline. They have never experienced a Crosstown World Series, and they have never in their entire life spit into a bowl at the dentist's office. (laughs) Just saying. Then I got to thinking, during their lifetime, during the lifetime of the 18 to 19 to 17-year-olds that walked across the stage last week, in their lifetime, college applications have changed to where there is no longer two boxes for gender, but instead a discussion question that asks for gender identities and the names and pronouns that they prefer. In their lifetime, presidential candidates winning the popular vote and then losing the election is not unusual. In their lifetime, same-sex marriage has been legalized. In their lifetime, they have heard their grandparents talk about where they were on 11-22-63, and their parents talk about where they were on 9-11-01. And it begs the question, what is their defining moment. What is the defining moment going to be for these babies that were, that were dedicated this morning? I wrote this in my journal. I cannot even imagine the things that will happen between now and when these babies graduate, <clears throat> when they cross the stage with a cap and gown. I can promise you this, and that's what this whole series has been about. They will be better if we protect them if we invest in them, if we come alongside of them as a church family, let's start by saying thanks to mom. Who knows who invented Mother's Day? Anybody? In case you're ever asked that question on Jeopardy, her name was Anna Jarvis. Anna Jarvis, over 100 years ago. She invented Mother's Day as a way to honor her mother, who was deceased, And her idea was that on Mother's Day, daughters would wear a carnation, a white carnation, as a badge, and visiting one's mother or attending church services together would be the norm. Now, here's why I mention her name, because it's really interesting. She later disowned the holiday that she campaigned so hard to get uh, legalized nationwide. Do you know why she campaigned against it? Once Mother's Day became a national holiday, it was not long before florists, card companies, and other merchants capitalized on its popularity. While she had initially worked with the floral industry to help raise Mother's Day profile, by 1920, she had become so disgusted with how the holiday had been commercialized that she outwardly denounced the transformation and urged people to quit buying cards. Any of you follow her directive? No, more cards are, yeah, appreciate that hand. One honest guy in the back, or forgetful guy. So, still time. The really lame cards are still on the shelves. 
More cards get bought on Mother's Day. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day kind of run neck and neck. But why do we remember moms? Why is this day so special? Because families are complicated. I know for some of you, today is complicated. It's, it's kind of a tough one for me because this is a, my first Mother's Day without my mom. Mom died in May of 19, uh, 2021. My grandmother died in May of 1977. So it's 45 years without grandma and, and now one year without my mom. And for many of you, it's the same kind of conflict. Some of you don't get along with your moms. Some of you don't know where your mom is. Some of you, like me, have, have uh, had to uh, uh, speak words over the graveside of your mom. So I kind of understand how Anna Jarvis got a little conflicted with it because, because it seems like we're all on the same page to celebrate, but we're a little conflicted about the backstory. That's, that's kind of what this series is about. It's complicated. Now today, I, I want to talk about moms and dads and husbands and wives and parents and children And since you know what's coming up in Ephesians, that part about submitting, you might agree with my wife who said, I bet your introduction is going to be really long because you're stalling. (laughs) And you would be right. What I want to talk about today is mutual submission. We started that theme way back at the very beginning of this series when, when we talked about families being spirit-filled families and, and, and families that attempt to walk in wisdom. And, I, and I'll get back to that in a second. Then we moved to talk last week about guarding the transitions, that baby dedication and, and, and high school graduation recognition and weddings and funerals and anniversaries and job promotions and all of those transitions are, are, are worth our attention because, because to guard those transitions, to, to help families through those transitions is, is part of the, the, the heart of the ministry of a church. And so today I want to talk about the way God intended the family to be ordered. Now, uh, what's coming is not what you think is coming, but it's a little bit. When, when we had, uh, uh, in youth ministry, Judy used to have a, a high school girls conference called Best of All, and it, it came from this verse, Proverbs 31, 29, there are many fine women in the world, but you are the best of all, and we would probably talk about our moms that way. But let me get to the heart of the Scripture, God's design for families. And I need to start off by saying this is a hot topic. This is a controversial topic. When I, when I meet with young couples who are wanting to be married and we talk about how we will word the vows, they usually say, leave out the part about obey, leave out the part about submit. Well, I can in vows, or I can just say him and let her elbow him during the vows, but I'd rather deal with it because this is in the Scripture. This is what it says, and and here's the, the verse that's there, but let me get to that by sort of visiting again the other part. We picked up in Ephesians chapter 5 a couple of weeks ago, and I need to do a quick recap just because we're, we're going the same place. And we started with verse 15, 
where Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, he said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And I reminded any of you who had a basic understanding of English grammar that that is a verb clause. Look carefully, walk wisely. And then another verb clause is, is not too far under that in verse 18 where he says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So walk wisely, be filled with the Spirit. Those are the verb clauses. And then there are a number of participle that, that support that, and, and you can see them largely ending with I-N-G in the English, walk wisely, be filled with the Spirit, uh, verse 16, making the best use of your time, verse 17, understanding what the will of God is, uh, number, verse uh, 19, addressing one another in psalms and spiritual songs, singing, making melody, giving thanks. So these are, are clauses that support the idea of walking in wisdom and a family that is filled with the Spirit. He's talking about families. So then he adds another participle at the very end, the, the verse we talked about a couple of weeks ago, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the, the verbs are there, walk wisely, be filled with the Spirit, and then the, the, the modifiers, uh, giving thanks, giving praise, understanding, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, making the best use of time, understanding what is the will of God. And so now he gives some more illustrations for that, and he starts with wives, he moves to husbands, then he moves to children, then he moves to the real relationship in society between, in their day, masters and slaves, in our day, employers and employees. So, so it's a very practical passage, and he starts with men and women. So he says, wives, submit to your own husbands, not everybody else's husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so, is, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And you see the reference in Ephesians. You see, God made the family. We, we, we all agree with that. Genesis chapter 1, God created the family. Genesis chapter 3, sin corrupted the family, but throughout almost the rest of the Bible, God is saying that families can be a part of bringing a, a lost and confused world back to the heart of worship, as the song said, that, that, that families are part of God's redemptive plan but families who operate by walking wisely, by being filled with the Spirit, by understanding what the will of God is, by singing and making praise, by making the best use of our time, by submitting to one another. And he starts with wives. And I know that it's a hot topic. I know that it's confusing. I know that, that especially on Mother's Day, why are you going here on Mother's Day? Well, it's where it was in the Scripture. 
Well, we, we remember our moms fondly. Today is the day that, that I remember mom's beer-battered fried chicken on Mother's Day, and, and she would go home and, and get there before anybody else, and, 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 and it was so ironic that she would spend her time making everybody else happy, right? So, so she submitted her schedule on her day to the rest of us. I got to see mutual submission at work. I miss her. But there's nothing about this that says that women are somehow inferior or that there is a, 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 a universal uh, subjection, women to men. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands, that, that the order of the house, the, and Paul in, in 1 Corinthians and in 1 Timothy, he goes all the way back to creation. He says this was the created order. Adam was created, Eve was created, children were created. And so he says there is an order of things. There is, there is a design of things. There is a, a God-ordained <clears throat> uh, uh, progression of things. And it amounts to this. Women listen. Men listen more. God has charged we as men to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. This is completely unnecessary when men take spiritual leadership in their homes. I understand that I am spiritually responsible for my wife and my children and my grandchild. I understand that as the pastor of the church, I am spiritually responsible. If you're not growing spiritually, it's my fault. Now, I get it's more complex than that. That, that, that everybody has their own choices to make. My children made their own choices. My grandchild will make his own choices. But it is up to me as the leader of this church to, to, to try to uh, uh, spiritually organize, to, to make sure that anybody who preaches here, anybody who teaches here, anybody who, who uh, does anything here is deacon, leadership team, finance team, personnel team, that all of that passes through the idea that I am spiritually responsible for the church. It's hard. <clears throat> It's a, it's, a, it's a heavy load for dads, and it's a heavy load for moms, because the key to this is that it says, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Some translations say, in the Lord. And that's a qualifier we're going to come across throughout this passage, that a wife is not asked to submit to a husband who is not in the Lord. But Paul goes, like I said, all the way back to creation, and then he ties it into redemption. He says we go back to creation, and then we observe the salvation process, that, that, that Christ is the, the groom to the church, his bride. And so he says Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The Scripture says that this is the created order of things. And I get it. I have just offended a whole lot of people. I understand that. But the Scripture lays out a process, and to me it is a heavier weight on 
fathers, on husbands, on men than it is to women. Now, I understand this language is explosive. Women, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. So, now to the fellas. He says, love is not a casual word. Ray Stedman said, this, that is the way the husband is to be subject to the wife. He gives himself up for her. This is the scripture, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for the church. When Christ presented the church to the Father, when Christ uh, said, here is my bride, here, here is, is the, the church, he, he, he died for the church. His, his act of, of sacrificial love, that He might sanctify her, that, that He sacrificed everything for the church, that, that, that her, the bride might be cleaned, that He's calling on me to sacrifice for Judy so that she might be, uh, uh, ha- have a life that points towards Christ by the washing of the water and the Word, so that He might present the church without spot, wrinkle, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. There's, there's so many qualifiers. Love the, the, your wife as Christ loved the church. He died for the church. Love your wife even more than you love your own body. There, there is a, a sacrifice that is built into that. And he's going to come back to that in, in just a moment when he talks about children. He, he is calling families to sacrifice to one another, to, to submit to one another, to in humility, to let them consider each other as more important than themselves. So, submission's not a dirty word. Love is not a casual word, and obedience is, not a nece- is a necessary word. Susanna Wesley said, the child that never learns to obey his parents in the home will not obey God or man outside of the home. Let me catch up just a little bit. He said in verse 22, wives submit to your own husband. And by the way, that's a participle that continues the thought, understanding, making, singing, submitting. For the husband is the head of the wife. uh, Verse 25, husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. No one has ever hated his own flesh, verse 29, but nourishes and cherishes it. Verse 30, we are members of the body, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father, leave, leave his own family, his wife becomes primary, the two shall become one. He says this mystery is profound. The better way to say that is this is a profound truth. It's, it's not a mystery. It's not unknowable. It's a profound truth. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. I think I've actually got that scripture let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. One of the best-known books that's out is called Love and Respect in terms of the 
relationship between husband and wife. And the, the, the gist of it is that the, the, the wife needs love from her husband. The husband needs respect from the wife. But the, the trick in learning to live is that you, uh, we husbands love our wives whether or not she respects us. And our wives learn to respect their husband whether or not she feels love. There's a, there, there's a, a selflessness about this call. And that carries on to our children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You, you see that? There it is again. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In, in both cases, there's, there's, there's nothing about the Scripture and nothing about common sense and nothing about the rest of the full counsel of God in Scripture that would ever say that we're called to submit to someone who is ungodly. That we would ever be called to submit to someone who is immoral. That we would ever cause, uh, be called to obey or honor a parent who is parenting in a way that is abusive, that is a way that is, is ignoring, that is a way that is permissive, that is a way that is, that is against the things of God. There, there is no part of Scripture that ever calls submission or obedience to that kind of person. The qualifier in the Lord, as to the Lord. It's a high standard. For this is right, honor your father and mother. Honor has a a broader context than obedience. Honor has more to do with an attitude. Obedience has more to do with action. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, here we go again. Do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word discipline, it comes from the same root word as disciple, which has a teaching that a father is a teacher, that a mother is a teacher. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. They are in charge of your discipline to, to guide you in the way. The, uh, watching these, these innocent babies, there will, there will be times when the father and mother has to steer them away from the things they want. How cool would it be to stick my tongue in the light socket? What could go wrong? No bad idea. And there will be lots and lots of times when I, I, I think we had a conversation with, with uh, Bria's parents that she's really active now. I said, wait till she's 13. <laughs> Horror. We, we, we are in charge of their discipline, their instruction, their entire lives. And by the word, the, word, the way the word child here is indicative of one who still lives at home. That's the, the usage of this word for child throughout most of the Scripture. And so it's, it's not that we wash our hands of them when we leave. Now, we, in some cases, are glad when they finally do. But the, 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 the idea is that, that, that when they are influenced by us, when they are in their formative years, when they are, are, are still being guided, we raise them in the discipline and instruction. We don't exasperate them. We don't try to set standards they can't reach. We don't move the goalposts. They they need our consistency. They need our integrity. If we say church is a good idea, we don't send them, we take them. We, We get caught doing the things that matter. They watch us 
being faithful. Dad, why do you read the Scripture? Because it's meaningful. Why do you sing the songs? Why do we go to worship? Why do we do things for other people? Because that is part of God's plan. Which brings us to the last. The gospel is the final word. (laughs) It's possible, if not likely, that if you are hearing these words and you don't have a, a faith sort of assumption in your family, if you're, if you're not a, a person who has given your life to Christ or if you, you haven't really uh, gravitated towards that lifestyle, it's quite possible that all of this is just foreign if not offensive because the gospel changes everything. The gospel is what changes hearts. The, the gospel is what softens us to, to the mind of Christ, to the things of God, that, that all of a sudden submission and obedience and discipline and instruction, those aren't, those aren't harsh words. Those are guidance words. Those are, are boundary words. Those are, are love words. Those are, are order instead of chaos. They are, they are uh, design instead of randomness. Paul wrote these words to a culture that was, the men just assumed the Roman ideology that women were nothing but property. Some of the women uh, were beginning to break out. As a matter of fact, in Ephesus, the the place where the letter was sent, the the temple of the goddess Artemis was there, and, and they were wholly involved in goddess worship. So the families were dysfunctional, even as some are today. But Paul summed it all up. He wrote this letter to the Philippian church about the same time as he wrote the one to the Ephesian church. And he says these stunning words, you are as, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you, and the word is plural, he's talking to the church, you all, if you all have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing, if any tenderness or compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He says that to the church. He says that to families. Then it's really interesting. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but also to the, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, we can't see it in English, but in the original language here, Greek, it's a little bit of a debate as to whether that last line, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It's a little bit of a debate as to whether that phrase goes with what is before it or what is after it. Because when he says, have this mind, which is also in Christ Jesus, then Paul kind of drifts into a praise song of his time. And he says, this Jesus, he existed in the form of God. He was God on earth, but he didn't regard that godness as something to hold on to. But he emptied himself. 
becoming a bond servant, being made in the likeness of man. And being made in the likeness of man. He, he didn't consider equality as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul goes on to say that because of that, the Father exalted him. And he gave him a name that was above every name and that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow of those who are under the earth and on the earth and above the earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is to the glory of God the Father. We don't know. It's a little unclear. Does, does have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, does it refer to the pragmatic relationship advice of being united in Christ, comforted by His love, commonly sharing in the Spirit, showing tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete, be like-minded, have the same love, one in spirit, one mind, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, or does it refer to this, this extraordinary emptying of divinity and humanity? That Jesus said, I will show you how to treat each other. I will show you how to treat my bride, the church. I will sacrifice in such a way that it is scandalous. That it is emptying of self in order to lift up others. It's complicated. But when we talk about submission... Mutual submission, godly submission. It's in that, that counsel of humility. It's all about the phrase, in Christ. Would you bow your head? To be in Christ is an incredible thing. The gospel is the final word. The idea that families are instructed to display order to the community, that husbands are called to be spiritual leaders in their families, that wives are, are equal in value, different in role. None of this would make a lot of sense if it weren't for the sacrifice that we observed of Christ on the cross. Father, if there's a person here who is not sure what it means to be in Christ, let this be the day that that conversation begins. To find a pastor, a greeter, a friend, and talk about how this conversation is the most important conversation they can have. I pray for families today that you would shine light into those families, that you would give hope to the, the complicated drama that is just doing family. Lord, we love you. We thank you for a chance to sing your praises, to give thanks, to worship together. Pray in Jesus' name.